What is going on, good friends? I hope you guys have had a great week. This is your host, Charlie, in the CYJ Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you guys once again listening in to our show. Uh, it's been a good week. It's been a good week, guys, and it's awesome to have you guys, uh, uh, both of you with me again once again. Uh, Josh, how you doing today? We're good, man. Ready to rock and roll. That's awesome, bro. And uh, Yanko, glad to have you back, man. It's, uh, it's always nice to see you alive. How you doing, hey. man? Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. We're hanging in there. Uh, keeping it cool, no pun intended, with this winter blast that we had. I'm glad to be back. Honestly, I missed uh, the podcast. I missed chiming in. My head went crazy after listening to you guys' awesome performance in week two. I had, you know, I, I was talking out loud as I'm driving uh, to work, and people that next to the stoplight or next to me at a stoplight were probably thinking I was crazy. But as you guys were chiming in, you know, kind of doing your thing, I was talking out loud too. A little bit was just uh, craziness. A little bit was so I wouldn't lose the groove of things. So pardon my rust if I'm not back, but I've got power. I've got light. We've got water. We're good to go. Hey, man, that's a, that, that ain't a bad thing. Hey, tell us a little bit about that storm. What you have to go through uh, during that storm? So national news, it isn't uh, anything someone hasn't missed out on. Uh, but basically, historic snowpocalypse, ice storm. You know, there's been a bunch of uh, descriptive words to describe the storm, but uh, it was an Arctic blast, uh, the worst night, uh, regular temperature, we get down to one. Wow. And then with wind Dang. chill, with wind chill, we got into like the negative high teens, uh, low twenties. Uh, we had, what was supposed to be rolling, uh, power outages between 30 to 45 minutes, give or take ours, particularly for my wife and I, we ended up going 40 hours without electricity. And then oh. between those 40 hours, it was the coldest night of the week. And that's when we hit that. So we, you know, put our resources together. We have our go bags ready. We had uh, resources ready. We had, you know, the best preparation that we could do. But I, I'll tell you guys something. You don't, you don't know how ready you are until you're in the situation, right? And <laughs> uh, every time that we prepared for anything, it, I never in, envisioned being, having to be ready for winter, having to be ready for something this cold to tell you that when it was 30 degrees i thought it was balmy i thought it was it felt good that's how that's how cold it was prior to that uh the rolling blackouts was one thing we went 40 hours pipes froze we had some minor uh, in comparison to other homes where we had some pipes burst in our garage all in all uh you know happy that we were able to get through it we were able to help some of the close friends kind of just uh, reaching out with our community uh, especially with the friends that we know through the congregation and really reaching out, but we were able to get our stuff together, our resources, like I said, and it's an experience. It's a, it was definitely an experience. I know out in El Paso that you guys got some snow and it got a little cold and that was cute, but over here, it was basically living in, a, in Alaska. I saw a meme that said, to all the people that say that they could live out in a cabin in the wilderness for two days without utilities and internet man i was one of those and now i know i'm not ready i can't man. i can't i can't be naked and afraid i can't be in gold rush alaska or deadliest catch or any of those big discovery channel ones uh, we had our own thing going on and fortunately enough we made it through and we're here for the podcast so i'm ready to go that's right man and it's it's awesome to have you back and i know everybody was uh, definitely missing out on, on on you giving us some pointers last week so let's get to it, guys. Let's talk some football because I think at the end of the day, that's what everybody wants to listen to. 
Uh, I know last week was kind of a sad week. Um, we lost uh, two pretty important uh, uh, people of the football world. Uh, we lost uh, Vincent Jackson and Marty uh, Schottenheimer. A great coach, a great wide receiver. Uh, any thoughts on, on uh, their passing, guys? So um, I was telling you, Charlie, earlier, uh, we, uh, I think we, we got to know these two players, or the player and the coach, uh, because being in the AFC West. Uh, just to talk briefly, right, I think uh, everybody has kind of covered it, NFL Network and whatnot. Uh, but just some, some points, uh, talking specifically about Vincent Jackson first, and I'm going to be as brief as possible. You guys know, he played from 2005 to 2016. Uh, there was, you know, two teams in his career, basically San Diego, then the San Diego chargers. And then of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he had a very consistent career the highlights obviously being from 2008 to 2000, 2008, 2009, 2011. Uh, he basically, uh, you know, throughout his career, 540 receptions, 9,080 yards, and 57 touchdowns. His best year he had in San Diego was in 2009. He had 68 receptions, uh, 1,167 yards, and nine touchdowns. And in Tampa Bay, his best year came his first year, ironically, in 2012, 72 catches, 1,384 yards, and eight touchdowns. And it wasn't too shabby in 2013 because he had 78 catches, 1,224 yards, seven touchdowns. Great receiver. Heck of a receiver. If you guys do fantasy, I'm sure you guys had him in your fantasy. Uh, Vincent Jackson was a monster. He was beast. He was 6'5". He had a big frame. Uh, great catchability radius to him. He didn't have breakaway speed, but he was one of those sneaky, fast receivers with a big frame. So he was a really good receiver. And, of course, he kind of replicated that in Tampa. But those are my thoughts regarding Vincent Jackson. Oh, and he was a beast in Madden. And it was kind of irrelevant, <laughs> but he was a he beast sure was. He sure was. He sure was, especially when you lined him up uh, next to Mike Evans at the end of his career. I remember those were some tough we see receivers to have to take care of. Can you tell us a little bit about Marty Scheinheimer, uh, Yankel? Yeah, so a good transition from uh, Jackson into Marty. Marty was the San Diego Chargers coach when Jackson started his career in San Diego. Uh, being in the AFC West, I, one thing that really sticks out to me is his tenure with the Chargers, because he coached in various teams. It didn't start off well. In 2003, he went, they went 4-12. Uh, you know, that's when they earned the first overall pick the next following season in 2004. But after that, they went 12-4. and four. And I remember his offense was, was always just like running on all cylinders. And, and the AFC West, you know, they were relevant with Marty. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think his son – I don't, I should look up where, or maybe one of you guys know where his son coaches, but he's also from, obviously from the tree uh, of coaching there. Great mind offensively. You know, he was really relevant in the AFC. He coached in various places. Uh, he was with the Browns, the Chiefs, the Redskins, and the Chargers. And then he even had a small UFL stint uh, with the Virginia Destroyers. If you oh, guys wow. are really, really, really into football, then go check out the UFL. Uh, he had a little stint there before retiring. I remember seeing him and just thinking that he had that presence. He had that that uh, that typical coach, old school presence on the sideline. The dark sunglasses, the white hair, the trucker hat with 
the the bill slightly folded, the big hands with his you know his gold wedding ring, and he was assertive. I mean, I I remember him on the sideline, really getting in coaches' faces, really getting in his own team and holding his team accountable. Uh, Philip Rivers, Ladanian Tomlinson, you know these guys that were with Marty really made Marty relevant and vice versa. Good coaching obviously trickles down into the players. So uh, sorry to, to hear that, that Marty passed, but I wasn't sorry when we were, as a Raiders fan, seeing him play against us because he definitely took it to the Raiders uh, a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And it's crazy to think that uh, such a good coach, his final year with the Chargers, 14-2 and two, and uh, fired. Man, I, I don't know. I, 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 to me, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I think... Uh, to me, personally, I think he's probably one of the greatest regular season coaches of all time. Did he have the best record in the postseason? Probably not. And that's actually something that me and Josh were discussing before the, before the show started. What do you prefer? Do you prefer to have uh, consistency on your team? You know, consistency in and out every game during the regular season and maybe having a breakout postseason? Or do you prefer having one-year wonder teams? What do you guys think? I think uh, I'll, I'll jump first in the, the, the first recent example that comes to mind with consistency and staying with the coach was Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys, right? He was there for a long stint, but he never hit, you know, it was, he averaged 500. So I think that's the, the epitome of, of average. Absolutely. He was there that Jerry Jones kept him. He had good players. I mean, if you asked a Cowboy fan, Give us good players. They had good. They had them. They had them. But where's that peak? Where do you, where do you decide to? How long do you stay with average mediocrity or consistency? Ultimately, everyone wants to make the playoffs. Everyone needs to get to the playoffs to become relevant. We saw the the Pittsburgh Steelers this year go eleven and zero before the wheels falling off towards the end of the season, and you know trickling into the postseason. It's it's just. To me personally, to answer your question, Charlie, I'd rather have a little bit of both, but not that long. So give me three, four years. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's no if there's no constant progress, then I think we start looking for changes. I'm not a one and done or a or a two-year. That's a new theory. Every coach has their own approach. Every coach has to establish their footprint. They have their own coaching staff. They have to make adjustments. They have to get uh, used to the star players that they're inheriting and a chance to bring in their own star players. So all in all, three, four year stint, as long as there's progress and not eight and eight every year for a long time, <laughs> I think I'd, uh, I think that's, that's where I would be comfortable with. And it's going to rub a lot of those Cowboy fans the wrong way. Pobrecitos, man, they've had a, they've had a rough stretch and then they, they, they had consistency and, and it got worse. So crazy to think that, but I think going back to that final year, Marty Schottenheimer in the playoffs, is there, I don't know if you guys remember that last game, but I think that was the one where, where the kicker shanked a few field goals, didn't he? Uh, I forgot his name. So it Nate almost did Kading? it. Yes, it was sir. Nate Kading, you're absolutely right, brother. And, and you know, if that ball bounces the, wrong, the other way and he goes in and who knows? Who knows what could have happened? But anyway, uh, we're definitely sorry for these two to, to no longer be in the football world. Uh, our condolences to their family. And, hey. Hopefully uh, we continue getting better players and better coaches in the next couple of years. Let's go ahead and move on guys. There was a lot, there was uh, not too many big news this week, except the big one. I, uh, so far I, I would consider this probably the biggest news that we've seen in the, in the off season. I know the Matt Stafford one was pretty big, but I think personally, I think this was going to have bigger implications for the following season. Carson Wentz guys 
the next domino to fall. And I think the one that's going to open up even more dominoes. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? What's going to happen? Where, 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 what's going to happen now? How about you, Josh? I'm not sold on Carson Wentz. That's me personally. Everybody can say that his best years came with Frank Reich, which is true. That's when he had that MVP season. Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, uh, Doug Peterson being the head coach, Frank Reich being the then OC, I think that has been well documented. However, uh, we mentioned it part of it, Charlie, last week on the pod regarding some of the whispers that you hear. We don't know if that's concrete. His biggest challenge would be winning that locker room over. And one thing that sits, that, that kind of sits with me, it, it's two things. One, Chris Ballard being a genius for the compensation that he had to give up. But if you flip it the other way, that's telling you how Philadelphia feels about Carson. Because mm -hmm. how is it that Stafford, uh, and I know it's, it's two different things, right? Two different quarterbacks. One is way younger. The other one's still kind of in the prime of his career, per se, and he's going to an offensive genius, Sean McVay. But how is it that Philadelphia was hoping that they would get the compensation that the Lions got for Stafford, yet you only get really two twos? And I, I heard in the in Series XM, I just didn't have a chance to document it, and don't quote me on this. It could turn into a first-round pick based on, of the percentage that he plays. Yes, and, and just to clarify that, Josh, it is if if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps next year, it will no. convert to a first. I say that because that there in itself is the issue that Carson can't stay healthy. So that's the big question mark, right? Now, is he going to an ideal situation? Absolutely. I think we talked about it last week again. Uh, I think we both felt that that was the ideal situation for Carson. Mm -hmm. He's going to a stable environment. He is inheriting a heck of an offensive line, great running backs, great team, great GM, great head coach. So Carson is right where he should be. But as far as performing wise, I don't know. That's just let my me, take. Let me add a little bit to that uh, performance and what Josh was uh, bringing up when his tenure with Frank Reich, when Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator, wins through for 33 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, averaging seven and a half yards in attempt. In 2018, when Reich left for Indy, wins through for 64 touchdown passes, 29 interceptions, 6.7 yards per uh, per attempt. So you could see that that significant drop, right? Now, how much of that was rehabilitation from his injury that he sustained in LA, or from the Rams game? And then you had a little bit of a, a Super Bowl hangover. You had a little bit of uh, un, un, indifferences that obviously turned into from small cracks into big foundational ones later on with his head coach uh, in Philly. So the, the fact is injury prone. How can someone, even as with the physical stature that Carson Wentz have, has, be okay when he last season, and this was alarming to me, Wentz was sacked for an NFL high 50 times. Ooh. That's a that's a really poor offensive line in a division with Chase Young, in a division with you know the defensive line in Dallas being relevant, in a division where the Giants uh, they what's the name of the guy that they got from the, the New York Jets that went over there? 
Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams. I mean, there's some there are some monsters on the defensive line solely in the division that he plays in. So being sacked 50 times and he didn't even start towards the end. That's a that's a real high number. And to stay physically okay after being sacked so many times, that doesn't include the hurries, that doesn't include the well, the times that he was pushed, the times that he got rid of the ball just in time, you know, the times that he got tackled when he ran for the ball, that's that's numbers that shouldn't really be in a statistic for a quarterback that is being successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And think of these numbers. Look at this, guys. 2019, receivers that came out to the field with uh, Carson Wentz in one week, for example, Robert Davis. You guys heard of Robert Davis? I don't think so. Zero NFL starts, two NFL catches. At the slot, Greg Ward, you know, respectable, not a bad slot yeah. receiver. So even a little bit of a pickup in fantasy, but we, I think we all agree, not the, you know, not going to light the world on fire. Then you got Deontay Burnett. Any of you guys heard of Deontay Burnett? One NFL start, 10 catches. You know, respectable, I guess, considering the receivers that the Eagles had on their team. You know, uh, week two. Our Sega Whiteside, you know, he, he kind of became a little bit of his own, but again, nothing, nothing that's going to light the world on fire. Mac Hollins. I mean, are you kidding me? That doesn't even sound like a receiver. Mac Hollins. No that's disrespect. Like a fullback. To, that's like a linebacker. I, I, no disrespect to Mac Hollins. If you ever happen to listen like to this podcast, but uh, their best receiver the last two years, Nelson Aguilar. And last year, Nelson Aguilar wasn't even on the team. So that kind of shows you and, you, and you keep going back. Jordan Matthews for a little while kind of had something going there, but even then, not too great. Not if you continue going back all the way to when Carson Wentz was actually drafted, the the supporting cast that was around him wasn't the greatest. It really wasn't. Granted, he had a he had his BFF in in uh, Zach Ertz, and that definitely helped for for a while there. But time will tell you time and time again that if you don't have good receivers, at least one good receiver to help your uh, your quarterback, it's not it's not going to be good. Now, yeah, yeah, I. I Go ahead. Yeah, a little bit of Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey too, right? Yes, and that's what I was going to say. That was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Not Deshaun Jackson. I think Deshaun no, Jackson – I think this is second sin of Deshaun Jackson is, yeah. is a little overrated. He's no longer what he used to be. But Alshon Jeffrey, yes, that year that they went to the Super Bowl, I mean, you look at the numbers, his numbers were great. The moment Jeffrey's production went down because of injuries, Carson Wentz's production kind of goes down too. I'm one to think – I mentioned it a little bit in the podcast last week, and I'm not going to repeat it too much – but I'm one to think that when there's production in the NFL and you're still young, you've already seen it. I think it can happen again. So I'm actually one to believe that Carson Wentz is going to have a great resurgence of his career. And, and Josh, just to answer the question of the whole production, I think their genius is because I think the Colts are going to go 11 and 0. And then in their 12th game, they're going to rest Carson Wentz after the third quarter. So it's going to be 74.5% oh. <laughs> of playing time. So he's actually going to end up costing a second-round pick, bro. So no need to worry here's about a, that. And here's an interesting stat on quarterbacks drafted in the first round from 2009 to 2016. None of them, after this trade, are with the original team who drafted them. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. Some of them looked okay short-term, right? I mean, Carson yeah. Wentz being one of them. Uh, Jared Goff had his his little moments in LA, but for the fact that none of them are with their original team, that that was a mind blowing statistic for me. You know the the research behind all of that. You could probably we could dissect each quarterback and see where they are now. Do a where are they now type of segment on them. But 
That's seven years of quarterbacks drafted, and none of them are with the, the team that drafted them. That's absolutely nuts. And, and I guess we can argue whether the coaching staff didn't help, whether they weren't put in the right situation. I mean, flip it, flip it. What if Carson Wentz goes one and Jared Goff goes two? Does, do the Eagles actually win their first championship? Does Nick Foles have that Cinderella run? Or are the, are the Rams actually probably the best team in the NFL right now with Sean McVay? I don't know. That's a question uh, that we could probably go into. But I believe in Carson Wentz. I believe that the Colts are going to have quite the bit of success. But not only that, this opens up a lot of doors now. Because now you got Chicago, who was really interested in Carson Wentz. That's what the reports were saying. Uh, you got teams like the Niners who you don't know. A lot of reports are saying Garoppolo is going to stay, not go, you know, whatever. You got Houston. We're not going to go into the whole Deshaun Watson situation. You got Miami. We don't know what's going to happen with Miami. But what do you all think this uh, develops now across the league with Wentz now officially being sent to the Colts? I think personally that this is a new a new, not a new strategy, because that's not the word. Uh, the word eludes me. But basically, to kind of illustrate my point, before, the let's say even five, five years or, or back, if you drafted a first-round pick, especially being a quarterback, you're going to keep that boy. And you're going to try to do everything humanely possible to keep that first-round pick or that player that you drafted in the first round, especially a quarterback, you're going to groom him. You're going to coach him. You're going to change that. You were going to dismantle coaching staffs just to keep that player. That is far gone. Gentlemen. Now GMs don't have buyer remorse, whatever you got to think. And, and I'm headed more towards the, the Rams. The Rams gave up the farm to go get Jared Goff. And Jared Goff is no longer there. <laughs> the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz and they pay him his money, which is what Dak is still waiting for. And yet they're willing to absorb, I think it was what, 33.5 million of dead cap space for 2021, this upcoming season to ship him out and say, adios, we've had enough of you. We're going to roll the dice with Jalen and this new coaching staff. Especially if you add in Josh, sorry to interrupt, the fact that we're living in cap hell this year, that to take so, a $33 million hit, whoo, man, but carry on, sorry. But that, that goes to show you. So that goes to show you, I think, what they feel about Carson, but also this new mentality as a GM, which is unprecedented, again, because this, this wasn't a custom before. You know, you would ride it out with that player because you didn't want to be eaten alive by the media or by fans. Uh, the Rams, I think, changed that a little. Uh, which is a good thing. Uh, just get up, move on, move on from the player, get somebody else, and we'll figure it out later. So that's that's pretty crazy. I don't they know say, what you think of. Well, they say you don't make a mistake by covering it with another mistake. So I think GMs are noticing, hey, we messed up. Let's move on. Let's not kill another two, three years. Sorry, Yanko, go ahead. No, no. And, you know, you guys bring a good point. And just to reiterate, Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts for a 2021 third-round pick and the conditional – 2022 second round pick. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, what does that do for the market moving on? At least living in the now. What what do other quarterbacks, what does that bode for them? Let's say comparing statistically. If you were going to put Matthew Stafford and Wentz, now there's a difference there. I think that how Matthew Stafford's better and the trade showed it. 
Then you had Wentz with the these two picks here, 2021 third, conditional 2022 second that can turn into a first. What did that do for Sam Darnold? What's the market for Sam Darnold if the Jets decide to Man. move on from him? Now, if you compare Darnold and Carson Wentz, you're the Jets are now sitting back and looking at this trade that went for Wentz and going, man, if that if that happened for for Wentz, what are we going to get for Darnold? Do is it even worth is it, is it even worth shipping him out? Is it worth shipping him out? Are we going to get what a fourth round pick at most and a sixth, or are we going to have now? Given that the the money situation, let's put that aside. That the Colts inherited from for Wentz from Philadelphia, Sam Darnold hitting the market. I don't think bodes well for him. Now, him personally, maybe, so he can get out of the Jets organization. But for the organization in itself to market Sam Darnold this year, because let's face it, they have a high draft pick with quarterbacks, again, other than Trevor Lawrence, who is almost a guaranteed uh, win for Jacksonville. You have uh, the other OSU quarterback in Justin Fields, and then you have the quarterback from uh, North Dakota State. Trey Lance. Trey Lance that are going to be there. And it's starting to pick up that the quarterback from Alabama is starting to pick up some steam too. So you've got potentially three or four quarterbacks. Maybe I missed one. And later on, teaser alert for uh, our podcast listeners, we'll get into DraftCast as we uh, get closer to it. But what does that do for the market now? That's, that's Sam Darnold. Outside of that, I mean, now you're starting to pick at, all right, well, quarterbacks in the market. What do we trade? Do we do, do we go with a rookie? Do we want to rebuild? Do we do that? And, to further uh, extend Josh's point on how GMs are now kind of, uh, you know, kind of nonchalant about keeping quarterbacks to what historically we were at, what does that do for Dak? Do, they're, they're, they're not committing. They're not committing. He's asking for a ton of money. How does the, and I'm not trying to gear this towards our Cowboy fan listeners and what does that do us for Dak, but this tends to have a ripple effect on the position. It does. You have, you have a complete opposite extreme at the other end of the spectrum with uh, Mahomes getting paid half a billion dollars over 10 years. And then you're going to have the other complete side where guys that are serviceable, like Sam Darnold, like Cam Newton, who just got tore up by some high school wide receiver or something on, the, on his <laughs> own camp. Yeah. He, apo- he, he, he apologized, by the way. He did. He, apologized. he, did. he made a he, public after statement. The, after the NFL players came at him Man. on Twitter, but... Talk about picking the wrong fight. Then again, I mean, what are you thinking, kid, man? I mean, Cam Newton, he's, he's not the greatest anymore, but come on. Come on. But he's, still, I, I, but he's still a serviceable player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I th- you know, Cam Newton came out and said, you're going to tell me that there's 32 other quarterbacks in the NFL that are better than me? You know, let's, extend it, let's extend it to backups. That makes it 64. There, is there 63 other quarterbacks in the NFL that are better than Cam Newton? Yeah, no. 63, no. I, I, 63, no. No, but let's let's do let's do this, guys, real quick. Let's think about this for a second. I, I want I'm gonna give you two names, and you guys tell me which one you're gonna go with. Think about the cap. Think about the, you know, his age. Think of all that good stuff. So so we mentioned Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, go. Wentz, Arnold. All right. Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, Wentz. All right. Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Darnold. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tua Tagovailoa. Tua. Jimmy G. Ooh. Jimmy G, Jared Goff. 
Notice our hesitation, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Jimmy G. Jimmy G, man. Jimmy G. Uh, well, I won't give reasoning. Jimmy G. Okay. Nice. And, and, and the whole idea of this was just to kind of comprehend, guys. There wait, is absolutely. Wait wait wait, 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 wait. Charlie, you're the yep. Niners fan. Uh huh. Jimmy G. <laughs> or, uh-huh. or Goff. Jimmy G, no questions asked. And, and I'm not trying to come up. I, I'm a strong believer. I, I like Jimmy G. I think he he, he does enough to, to work pretty well in a, in a good system. I think when he came to the Niners in 2017, he had a five-game stretch where they won five in a row, and he was kind of let loose. And he, he was drilling that puppy all over the field. I think he's a better quarterback, Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is very, very, very limited. And I think every single quarterback that I mentioned in front of you guys, I would put above Jared Goff. Personally, I, I don't I don't see Jared Goff. That's not saying that I think Jimmy G is the greatest quarterback. I just think Jared Goff is really not that great. And, uh, for, you know, for, for Jared Goff, when he played college ball in California, he had the thing for him is that he played with an ex-NFL coach as his head coach in UCLA, and he had a touch. That was his thing. He would he would throw it and he had touch to the ball to get it to the locations on the field, especially when mm-hmm. he, he would throw long, right? Mm-hmm. But how much of that actually translates over yeah, to the NFL? Yeah, in college. This is college, man. In college. And even then, he struggled with college. Mm-hmm. Now, he isn't Mitch Trubisky. He isn't. Sorry, Bears fans. He, he isn't. But how much of that also Okay, but, was, but Yanko, 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 I don't want to start a controversy here, but <laughs> I am going to go out on a limb and say that if Mitchell Trubisky was the Los Angeles Rams' quarterback – Mitchell Trubisky was would not be seen as much of a bust as he is right now. I, I'm not saying again that that is how low I see Jared Goff personal, and that's so because of know. coaching or because of the person, the player that they are. Coaching, coaching, and the player they are a little bit of both. I think you put Mitchell Trubisky with Sean McVay, man. But you know, people forget how underrated his moving ability is. You know, side to side. You know, that kind of Sean McVay has a playbook where all you got to do is put it. Five yards close enough to the receiver because he's going to be wide open. This is coming from a Niner fan that saw so many Rams Niner games. Many of our interceptions, turnovers that came in from Jared Goff were just blown throws by Jared Goff. He, it's, it, it's, it's hard to believe past it. And again, I'm not trying to get into a controversy here, but I do believe Mitchell Trubisky is even better than Jared that, Goff. That, that's, that's actually a good point, Charlie. And, and that is... That is my reasoning why I personally think Jared. I'm not. I don't. I'm not big on Jared Goff. Jared Goff inherited the best case scenario coming in from the from college to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You went to Sean McVay. Grant you that year number one. We the NFL, other than maybe you know uh, the owner. Uh, decided he knew who you know Sean McVay was. Nobody knew who Sean McVay was. Nope. Nobody knew yeah. what OC you know what kind of offensive genius Sean McVay was going to be. But you went to Sean McVay, and Sean McVay lost confidence in you to the point where he's like, Deuces. "Adios, adios." I can't, I can't do this with you. Just yeah, to show you. Yeah, no, it, it's it's and what I was trying to show with with what we were doing right now with that little experiment of the quarterbacks was. We didn't come to a consensus on any of them. Not once did we agree on the quarterback. So that kind of tells you that this year, every team views these quarterbacks and they, they all have different ratings for them. Um, their value, every team's going to have a different value for them. There's, you know, if, if I'm the Jets, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, it did mess me up. I think the Wentz trade didn't help me, but there's always a team willing to pay. 
you look at the rookie contract and you're thinking, you know what? I could see, I, I could still see a first or a second rounder go because that's just the way the NFL is. If there's a team willing to make the pay the price, take well, it. They take it. So I'm very curious to see how this this whole offseason is going to continue developing. But I think it's super exciting the correction way it's looking a, as a right correction now. Correction on something I said: it was not UCLA that he played at. He played at Cal. He played at Cal. So it was a California university, but he played at Cal. One more question, uh, and this one's geared towards you, Charlie. And mm-hmm. that's just because we, I know we, for a fact, we have some uh, Seattle Seahawks fans. All right. Listening. Bring it on. You, you have the Rams. They had Jared Goff. We talked about him with Jimmy G in the helm at San Francisco. Let's say, you know, what if scenario? Okay. He stays in San Francisco for at least another year, two years. Can Jared, not Jared, sorry. Can Jimmy G compete with the likes of Russell Wilson or... Kyler Murray, or now Matthew Stafford? Yes. And I'm going to give you an explanation for number one. The one I'm concerned about is are the Rams. No doubt about it. The Rams scare me. Um, I think with what they were able to do with a player like Jared Goff, I guess they won in spite of Jared Goff is how I put that, that wording. Now you put in a guy like Matthew Stafford, you know, say what you want to say about him. He's a heck of a wide receiver, heck of a wide receiver. Um, he's, he's, he's tore it up throughout his entire years. Free Calvin Johnson after Calvin Johnson. So I think that the, the Rams, you know, we're get, it's going to be a battle to become. Let's go to the Cardinals. The Cardinals don't scare me. I think Cliff Clinsbury is an absolutely terrible NFL head coach. And I'm going to tell you why. He's had Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Kyler Murray at his disposal. Again. And, and Baker. And, and, and Baker. You're telling me he's had all three of these players – and he can't get above 500 in his record? I mean, and I know Patrick Mahomes wasn't the player he was. I, I get it. He's developed into something. I get that. But you're telling me what, 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 what really happened? Was it Patrick Mahomes not being as good as he was going to become? Or was it Cliff Clinsbury actually making him underdevelop what he could have become? And to, to add to your point, Charlie, that he was in a football conference in college or a D1 in the Big 12, where defense isn't a thing. Exactly. Exactly. He, you was, know, he could have had, with these weapons, to further push your point, a better record in college. Yeah. So, 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 so to put it in perspective, I'm not worried about the Cardinals. Can they beat us a, f- a game, maybe split in the year? Yes. Yes. I mean, we saw last year. The Niners were atrocious, and we still beat them at the end of the year. You know, say what you want, division game, maybe, the, you know. Okay. Let's jump on to Seattle. Seattle. I... And to believe that Seattle is starting to collapse a little. I, I, I think, you know, Russell Wilson is a quarterback. As long as Russell Wilson is a quarterback, this team's got a chance. But for the last couple of years, what's happening with, with Seattle is they, they light up the field for the first six to eight games of the year. You know, you got MVP talks with Russell Wilson. He's the greatest thing ever. He's the greatest quarterback. He knows how to handle his, his, his locker room. And then what happens? They begin to collapse. That whole legend of boom, it's gone, man. The Seattle Seahawks do not have a good defense. They, they have a like, top five worst defense in the NFL. That's even a way to put it. Bottom five. They are the worst when it comes to pass defense, rush defense, everything about it. So can you win in the NFL without having a top five defense? I mean, not top five defense, but a top 15 defense? I don't think so. And as much as Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, we saw last year, he doesn't have an offensive line either. You know, and a, and, and a little bit of what we mentioned last week, when you put so much money into your cap situation for your quarterback, dude, you're not going to do good. 
So really, the Rams are a concern for me. I am not concerned for the Seahawks. I'm not concerned for the, the Cardinals. I'm concerned for my Niners. I'm concerned for my Niners to even show up. That's a concern for me. But but looking at the other teams on the on the on the in the division, no, I, I don't see them as threats. I see the Rams as a, as a severe threat in the NFC West. I see them as a severe threat for the NFC, and I see them for as, as a severe threat at even getting the Lombardi next year. So watch out with the Rams. Uh, everyone else, I think the NFC West is actually going to take a step down in the 2021 NFL season. And to so. add to your point for the Seattle defense, if you remove Bobby Wagner, <laughs> that's even worse. Bobby Wagner. <laughs> is an amazing linebacker. He's smart. He's and the likes I think of like linebackers like Luke Keekley, where he's he's a he's a captain. He knows Patrick to, Willis. Yeah, he knows how to put people in the right position. He's a playmaker. He's vocal. He's mature. He's definitely the anchor for that Seahawks defense. But you yep. remove Bobby they, I think they drop a little further. And, 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 you know, there's an underrated part of that defense, too. K.J. Wright is on that defense. Uh, he's, he's slated to be a free agent. I saw a report earlier this week that mentioned uh, he's, he wants to come back, but he ain't taking a discount. You know, that, that core, K.J. Wright is a 6'3 linebacker. Hell of a, uh, of a linebacker. You know, that guy can pop you as well. You mentioned Bobby Wagner, heck of a, he's, 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 he's the core of that defense. But you start wondering, and, and that's why I think we're, we're in a dangerous zone when we start throwing, oh, I'll throw you a first-rounder, I'll throw you a second-rounder. I mean, the, these Seattle Seahawks gave up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. You know, Jamal Adams, man, heck of a receiver, a heck of a, a safety. And, guys, uh, if you guys play Madden, definitely pick up Jamal Adams. I know our good friend Josh here, uh, he, he has an obsession <laughs> he with He is amazing. <laughs> but, but anyway, in the real world, you know, you, you can't just hit stick your way through the NFL. I like Jamal Adams, but you know how many <laughs> games? He missed quite a bit of games last year through because of injury. And that's been his, his, his issue his whole career. He, he gets hurt a lot. Well, another example of a guy who hit hard a ton, and I think that stunted his career, another Seattle def- defender was Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. And, and, I, and, I, and even then, uh, Yankel, I think Cam Chancellor was a better player than, than, than Adams. I really do. I think Chancellor was just... Man, one amazing uh, safety, and amazing a physical player. specimen too. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely without a doubt. So as you guys can see, that the the off season is continue to unravel. It's it's good. We're gonna have even bigger things coming up. Uh, this was another big domino. I think this domino, as we mentioned, is gonna cause a lot of things to start unraveling. So it's gonna be exciting to see what happens. You know, but another thing that that happened a few weeks ago is the Hall of Fame class was uh, announced. The 2021 Hall of Fame class. Uh, just to to mention exactly, we got Peyton Manning. Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson, Alphanica, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, and the coach Tom Flores. Uh, great personalities, great. Uh, but I think it's safe to say, guys, that you know, the sheriff, without a doubt, is uh, the guy who's going to take all the attention this year. Good old Peyton Manning. Uh, what a hell of a career. What a heck of a career. I know you guys didn't experience him as, as heavy duty in his early part of his career, I guess 75% of his career. But those last couple of years definitely gave you guys headaches. What are your all thoughts on Peyton Manning making it to the Hall of Fame? Shoot away, Yanko. I'll let you go first. So I'm gonna. When I think Peyton Manning, obviously his stint with the Denver Broncos, the Super Bowl win, good for his career. You know, good for his tenure as a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, one of the few to win a Super Bowl with two different teams, but. Although it affected me as a, as a fan with Denver, his 
he became his career is more relevant to me in Indy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one play that really sticks in in my head with with him is the AFC Championship when Tom Brady and the Pats went to Indy. They beat them there. There was a controversial ish call on fourth and one with uh, Belichick going for it towards the end of the game, threw it to a fullback, was short, you know, ensued a couple, a good drive by the Colts. But Peyton Manning, his arm strength coming out of high, uh, not high school, coming out of uh, the University of Tennessee, was definitely there. And then you saw it kind of digress, right? Especially the ducks that he was throwing in Denver. Ooh. Exactly. You know, his forehead turned into a five head. He had to get custom helmets, not a fact. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is his career was was uh, extended because he was a cerebral quarterback. He mm-hmm. was super smart. And although he had various uh, chances to be a, more relevant in the playoffs, he kept running into Tom. He kept running into the Pats. He had a ton of players. He had Marvin Harrison. He had great running backs. Uh, with oh, his name just has left. Forgot, forgot Reggie Adrian Wayne. Edrin James, thank you, Reggie Jason, Wayne. Jason Adai had a little stint where he was really Jason good. Dallas Clark, the tight end. I mean, he had some players. Jeff Saturday. Well, he was the yes. center, but he was awesome. One of the smallest centers. Yep, one of the smallest centers to play in that position. But I just think Peyton Manning, Indy, blue and white. He had a, a great. I loved him because his press conferences. He were, were straight. His press conferences were were good for the PR uh, department for the Colts. He had a he had to deal with a crazy Jim Ursay owner. I mean, that guy was completely <laughs> off the charge sometimes. He's a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he is. was a lunatic, and he still kept his composure. And that, to me, is the epitome of a quarterback: someone who's going to represent the team both on and off the field during and off season. That he's going to, you know, he's going to show up. He's going to put in the work. He watches film. He sets the bar high. He's kind of like that, that saying, the coach that runs the mile with you. He held everyone accountable. And he made players relevant around him. Yep, so, there's players, you know, there are players that wouldn't, would be nobody if it wasn't for Peyton Manning. I think a little bit of what we said last week, Josh, isn't it true? Uh, he made the Pro Bowl a lot funner. I don't know if you guys have seen a few of the clips of when he yeah. was in the Pro Bowl. He, yep. he took, he's, he's one of those guys that took his job so serious but he was super chill about it he was yeah. super chill about it and i think i think you mentioned it right now uh, yanko that he ran into tom brady and you know you, we can argue again we're not going to argue about the whole tom brady he's the goat he's the greatest he's he's won it all you know he proved it i think he's like he's like wine he's definitely getting better with his age but what would have happened if peyton manning was the quarterback of the new england patriots with those teams that the patriots had though you know, how much could he have actually? I think he I, I think he goes on and, and he wins 10 Super Bowls. I think oh, I yeah. think the defense that the I think the defense that the Patriots had were just stacked, man. Stacked. But anyway, I don't want to take away too much of what you were gonna say there. Uh no, Josh. no, I, I was gonna make a, a quick point, Charlie. Uh hell of a player. One one of the I'm not gonna say the greatest of all time, but one of the one of the greatest to ever do it. I think we all three of us were very fortunate enough to watch him play. Very mm-hmm. cerebral, kind of what Yanko said. I'm going to throw something at you guys. And I'm not going to fully say that it's the fault of this individual. Uh, Peyton Manning had it all. He had all the tools. He had a couple of you know good defenses, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, uh, Bob Sanders. They had mm-hmm. a good defense. They had a good defense. But I'm going to throw a name at you guys. I don't know if you guys remember. Mike Vanderjet. 
Oh, oh my <laughs> Pittsburgh guy, Pittsburgh Steelers. That oh. guy cost the Colts oh, so yes. many games yeah. as a kicker. Oh, he hence why they had to go get Adam Vinatieri mm. when the Patriots released him or when they didn't resign him. So oh, the man. coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Mm-hmm. But Mike Vanderjet is going to be forever tied with Peyton Manning's legacy, perhaps. The Denver years came later. Uh, he inherited a Tebow team that was red hot from beating uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers with that crazy slant to De- Demarius Thomas. And John Elway got a lot of crap, right, for, for letting go of Tebow. But then when they got Peyton Manning, they were like, oh, okay. So he, he tore everybody up. 50-some touchdowns, two years. The year that they go to Seattle, they get shellacked by Seattle. It is what it is. That second Super Bowl was more of a eh, great defense by Denver, more game manager on his part, because he was benched, remember? He was benched mm-hmm. for Brock Osweiler. So he was in the tail end of his career, but he, he gets credit for the Super Bowl. But a heck yeah, of that, a player. Heck yeah, of a that, player. One, that one doesn't count. And going a little bit about Mike Vanderjack, I, I, people forget he was a hell of a kicker. He actually he was one of the best kickers in the NFL and when it came to accuracy, he was probably one of the worst when it came to clutchness. And, you know, I guess Marty Scheinheimer talking about Marty Scheinheimer, you know, I guess he was the kicker that related to Marty Scheinheimer. He was great regular season and he cost the team quite a bit. I, I know you guys bashed a little bit on and I bashed, but you guys mentioned a little bit that he, he wasn't the greatest in Denver. But people forget that he had his greatest season as the Denver Bronco, though. The, the year that he got shenacked, like you mentioned, against the Seattle Seahawks. He, he had the greatest season a quarterback could have had. It was unreal. And what, what, what did we get going into that Super Bowl? The greatest offense against the greatest defense. Guys, that game was over in the first two minutes. That was That's, sad. That, that Seattle defense was, geez, that was a ridiculous defense. He, but I think there it speaks of greatness of Peyton Manning. Because Peyton Manning elevated Demarius Thomas. He elevated uh, Julius, Julius Thomas. Eric, Eric Decker. Mm-hmm. He elevated Eric Julius Decker. Thomas. So these players, look, look at mm-hmm. Julius Thomas, goes to the Dolphins, gets paid an insane amount of money for tight end. Yep. And where was he at? Julius Eric Thomas Decker, goes to the Jaguars and he also gets overpaid. You know, Eric Decker had a, you know, a subpar yeah, career when he went to really. the Jets. But no, but Demarius nah, nah. Thomas was non-existent after Manning left. And, and they paid him a good chunk of money. If you remember, Demarius Thomas got paid first before Des Bryant got paid. And the yes, that contract mirrored a lot of how Demarius Thomas got paid. So Yes, he did. It just speaks Peyton's greatness. And he's an all-timer. Which is why I think – that's why I think he gets a little too bash with the whole Denver thing. I think he won the one that he shouldn't have, and he lost the one that he should have won. Yeah, that's the way I put it. But there was a lot of other Hall of Famer guys. And I know you guys picked a specific individual that you guys would like to, you know, talk a little bit more about. I'm going to go here with Josh because I know he loves this senor. So, guys, uh, who are you talking about? Sir Charles Woodson. Uh, fun fact, guys. I know you guys really don't care about this, but my last Oakland game that I went, ironically, was I didn't know this. And it just came on breaking news. It happened to be the last home game in Oakland that Charles Woodson played. And they ended up beating the Chargers. It was crazy. That just kind of elevated the game. But anyways, Charles Woodson. We're here to talk about Charles Woodson. Uh, just quick stats here. Played from 98 to 2015. Now, I'm not going to talk about his college career, but I am going to highlight one point. 1997, out of the University of Michigan, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. 97. That is the last year 
that a defensive player won the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. 97. Okay. So Raiders drafted him. Uh, he had two stints with the Raiders. A heck of a corner. Uh, he played later in his years. He played safety, free safety, strong safety. Uh, made it to two Super Bowls. One that we sadly lost to the Buccaneers, Oakland, and then 2011 in, in Green Bay. Uh, nine-time Pro Bowler. One-time Super Bowl champ. Four-time All-Pro. And he has 65 career interceptions. 65. That is insane. And he played two positions. And he played two positions. Uh, he obviously played uh, between uh, 98 to 2005 in Oakland. Then he played 2006 to 2012 in Green Bay. Then he came back to his home in Oakland 2013 to 2015. Uh, I have a Charles Woodson jersey. I know Yanko has two. Uh, heck of a player. He's one of the Raider greats, and I think he's one of the all-time greats. I'm not going to say the greatest corner or safety or defensive back, but he's one of the all-time greats. Not the greatest of all time, but one of the all-time greats. And I, I, I was, you know, you, you feel good for him. He's a first-time, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's going to be enshrined in Canton. And people are going to remember his playmaking ability, not only in college, but also in pro football at the highest level. Absolutely, a complete a complete professional when you describe Sir Charles Woodson. Sir Diego. Charles Woodson. And just How about you? In, just to tie in, uh, Sir Charles Woodson. I can't I can't go on without a little bit of Raider fandom, right? Hey, he uh, had to come out with Woodson. I remember the game. He had intercepted every quarterback in the league that was playing at the time, and the only player that he hadn't intercepted yet was Peyton Manning, and he got it. Peyton Manning. <laughs> in the end zone that happened to be on the, the fan side of the black hole, intercepted it. And that was kind of like the cherry on top for Charles Woodson's career to be Absolutely. able to intercept yeah. uh, Peyton Manning. And, uh, you know, I, I got to see him play. I do have his jersey. And it's just the epitome and the way he carried himself on the field and made everyone accountable. So mm-hmm. what, a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a career, without a doubt. What a career. And I'm going to go ahead and jump in just with mine here quickly, Josh. I'm not going to go too much into him. Megatron, guys. Megatron. Man, what? Oh, man. I mean, we're fantasy guys. So Megatron was 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 the guy that that is who you wanted on your team. PPR machine, touchdown machine, yardage machine, 40 yard dash machine. Size. I mean, I like real man. I like real with that guy. Do you you guys remember the, the Cowboys, the Detroit Lions three touchdown game? 300 and a gazillion yards from Calvin Johnson catching a Hail Mary with like six receivers on him. To me, you know, I know Jerry Rice, nobody will probably ever be Jerry Rice. This is a, just a Niner fan. I think you guys are, you guys are great. Um, the, Randy Moss, great receiver. But I don't think there'll ever be someone like Calvin Johnson. When you put it in perspective, six, five and running the way he did. I wish I could show the, the, the listeners, but there's a, there's a picture of uh, he's getting ready to go on his, on his route. And you had two cornerbacks on him, literally pressing against him on the line. Guys, two cornerbacks on one receiver. That does not happen in the NFL. You don't get double man coverage from the line. That doesn't happen. You kind of hide one and you kind of think that doesn't happen. I thought this was a really cool stat. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh Calvin Johnson actually leads all players in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and 100-yard games. 
since coming into the league in 2007. So he, he actually has the lead in that. And in history, he's actually averages, I think, 85.6 yards per game, which is the highest in history of, of any receiver. When they have a minimum of 100 games played, he averaged 85 yards a game. Dude, 85 yards, it, it seems easy. It seems really easy. But to average 85 yards a game, we saw it earlier. The, some of the players that I mentioned couldn't even get a catch in the game. And this guy got 11,619 yards and 83 touchdowns. Not to forget his season of 1,964 yards. Guys, an MVP in my book when it came down to fantasy, he, he got me a couple rings for sure. Thank you, Calvin Johnson. Thank you for an awesome career. And I know, uh, I, know you, I, I think his career was just too short. I, I, he's a smart dude. I, my, my hat down, goes down to him because he was a smart dude. He, know, he knew when to left. I think, I think just Detroit's kind of cursed when the, with the whole superstars that leave a little early <laughs> in their career, a.k.a. Barry Sanders. But, hey, Megatron, you have been missed, my friend, for the last five years, but I'm happy that he got his Hall and of Fame check. Don't forget the, the Calvin Johnson rule. Yeah, man. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. So uh, wide receiver Calvin Johnson playing against the Bears, game-winning touchdown. He thinks he caught it. When I was watching the game, I thought he caught it. There was a lot of fantasy implications in that uh, football game, and they wiped it out. Bro, let's be real. Josh thought he caught it. My wife thought he caught it. <laughs> you know, my, my, my cousin who wasn't even born thought he caught it. Roger Goodell thought he caught it. Everyone that, yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know about this catching that ball. <laughs> you know what? It's crazy that you say that, Charlie. But, I mean, just to highlight a little bit, uh, I think we've all been fortunate enough to, to watch a lot of football and to appreciate the greatness, specifically talking about receivers, mm-hmm. right? Jerry Rice is a GOAT. I think we all can agree to that. There's been a lot of receivers, you know, that have played the position. Uh, Tim Brown, not because he's a Raider, but he, he no, played no. great. He played in an era. Jerry Rice was the, the superstar, and Tim Brown was kind of casting the shadows, and he did great. Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But I'm talking me actually witnessing maybe in the modern day, uh, you know, later years, because I was able, fortunate enough to see kind of Jerry Rice and tail end of his career, Tim Brown, so on and so forth. Randy Moss, of course, and T.O., but man, there hasn't there there is not going to be one like Kelvin. Josh, yeah. Josh, I don't know if you remember. Insane. So mm-hmm. when I was Insane. when I was still in El Paso, Josh, we got we would get together to watch the Raiders games, and this time this game in particular that involved Calvin Johnson oh. at your brother's at your brother's yeah. house. I mean, he just he, completely took over. He, there was yeah. probably to my uh, traumatized memory, three or four guys draped on him. And not that the Raiders have, have ever had no. a great secondary. And still, that wasn't enough. No, he was a man Just playing. Chuck it up in the air, yep. and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah, but, but see, and, and not only that, it was underrated because he, guys, this is a guy that's taller than Mike Evans. Guys, Mike Evans is a monster, yet mm-hmm. he runs as fast as Terrell Owens did in his prime. And bro, this is he's a monster. We 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 could keep on going about Calvin Johnson forever. Calvin Johnson was awesome. He he was a hell of a receiver. But I know Yankel, you you had a you had a safety in mind as well. Yeah. So uh, for the sake of the listeners, for the sake of the podcast, I could have gone, should have gone with Tom Flores. Made this a Raider Hall of Fame podcast session or uh, you know conversation. But I went with John Lynch. John Lynch, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected him in 1993. A hard hitting, smart, 
safety. Uh, that was a good addition to the Bucks defense that became really relevant and dominated the NFL to its pinnacle in the Super Bowl win against the Raiders with John Gruden at the helm. Uh, you know, he played with other stars like Warren Sapp, uh, Brooks, the linebacker, mm-hmm. and many others uh, that were there. You know, he was in the, with Tampa Bay from 93 to 03 and then played with the Broncos 04 to 07. Uh, he won that Super Bowl in 2002. Uh, when they went 12-4, and four, he had a couple of uh, plays in the Super Bowl. He def- defended a couple of passes, had a tackle. Uh, but all in all, great career for what a safety can do, should do, and other safeties now could can and should emulate. Uh, after his football career, he retired uh, late, November, late October into November in uh, 2008, literally – Six days later, after he announced his retirement, I don't know if you guys remember, he started broadcasting of the NFL. Fox. Um, yeah. Fox, huh? And he wasn't bad. No, he, he was actually, I think, the number two crew back in with the Fox yep. team. He, he was pretty good. He was a pretty good guy with Kevin Burn. What's Kevin Bernhardt? Bernhardt. Bernhardt. Bernhardt, yeah. He was, Bernhardt. yeah, Bernhardt. Before uh, Charles Davis came in and replaced him, he was good, man. Good analyst. Good. I don't, good guy. Good. I, and uh, he, you know, he, he followed that career, obviously, behind the scenes. He started to develop the intellectual side of football, not from how to be a player, but how to manage a team and how to do that. Now, before he became a GM, and this is where I'll lean on you a little bit, Charlie, he was officially inducted to the Broncos Ring of Fame in 2016. And then later that year, in November of 2016, uh, at Raymond James for the Buccaneers. 15 seasons overall, 224 games. I remember using him uh, in Madden because he, he was a target. Oh. Yeah, he was definitely a a hard hitter. Played both the strong safety and free safety, more known for the free safety position. But Mm -hmm. he was definitely a hard hitter. Uh, He was a presence. You knew John Lynch existed. Now, before Beast Mode, when you said Lynch, he was the guy that you you knew they were referring to as a player. So definitely worthy of a Hall of Fame career. Definitely worthy of being a first ballot uh, Hall of Famer. But... To be mentioned amongst one of the greatest defenses, to be a Super Bowl winner, to be a color commentator and a good one in the NFL, and then to move on to become a GM in San Francisco, and not just a, a wash-up GM. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I had my, my thoughts. Like I had my reservations when they made a player, someone who had commented into a GM. I'm kind of biting my tongue a little bit because kind of John Gruden is the same thing, minus the player part. Well, he did play. But anyway, John Lynch... I think from a non-fan perspective, standing from the outside looking into San Francisco has done a decent job, if not a good job. He got a good coach. He's got kind of a QB thing going on, but it's not bad. It's not, you know, something that's a toxic relationship or something that they are worrying about. He's managed to cap well. He's had good players in and out. They've managed to piece it together. I mean, heck, he went to a Super Bowl as a GM. Mm Mm-hmm. Not, not, oh. not everyone, not everyone can say they, they, they did that. Oh. Here's a, here's a little, little nugget that probably did. This guys probably didn't know. Um, when Kyle, Kyle Shannon was actually hired before, uh, before this guy was hired, he was hired and Lynch actually called up Kyle Shanahan and he was like, Hey, um, you know, I'm a color commentator here. I don't know if you're interested, but I sure am interested in that opening there for a general manager. So it was actually John Lynch who initiated the talks to become a GM, to, to Kyle, to his surprise, Kyle Shanahan was like, yeah, man, let's do it. 
But something that I like about uh, John Lynch, and, and as a Niner fan, I could tell you, he, he surrounds himself with good people. See, he, he snatched Adam Peters from the Broncos. They, they, he's been for a long time known. He's a young dude, but he's known as, a, as a, a head scouter. He knows how to scout really, really well. He knows how to find talent in those late rounds. He's done it for a while now. He's done it really good. Not only that, the Niners have this guy. His name is uh, Parath is his last name. He is a salary cap guru. I don't know if you guys have figured it out, but the Niners tend to give contracts that are always team-friendly. They did it with Kaepernick. They've done it with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've done it with a lot of players. Well, John Lynch has done that. He's figured out a way to get the right people around him, and I think that always makes someone better. Being the best at something doesn't mean you got to be the best, if that makes any sense. When you surround yourself with the good people, and a perfect scenario is right now us three. You know, I'm not saying we're the best podcasters in the world. We're probably far from it. You know, we're not in, we were not the most uh, talented podcasters. We don't know anything about football. But when we put the three of uh, three of us together, we make a pretty good compliment when it comes to football. And I think that's what John Lynch does just right. He's been able to complement his his uh, his knowledge around him. And I think that's what's making the Niners a little bit of a relevant team. Uh, I can't tell you enough that if a GM and a coach don't mesh well together, you know, Trent Balky, Jim Harbaugh, Lord, you know, who knows where that could have gone and they would have just meshed well. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, do they get along 100%? You know, I don't know. But they definitely don't show it out in the public, and that goes a long way. That kind of just goes to the kind of persona that John Lynch is. Because, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he has a Shanahan blood in him. So I know I can guarantee you anything that he's not the easiest guy to deal with. So definitely, it's definitely something cool. Guys, this has been an awesome Hall of Fame class. I think this is one of the coolest classes that I've seen. And uh, as we get closer to the Hall of Fame game, maybe we can – kind of go back and think about a little bit more about some of these stories, but let's go ahead and move on into something that we want to incorporate. It's going to be a little, I don't know how to, how, how, how to say it, but we're going to call it the Yanko Yeet. And we're going to turn over the microphone to Yanko here and let him just go off. Thanks gentlemen. So uh, to the podcasters that are listening, I reached out to the, to Josh and Charlie and said, Hey, I want to make a little segment, maybe two minutes and talk about, a rant talk about what what i want to really express not as a, a podcaster but as a person as something that i want to incorporate into the the podcast so just real quick what does yeet mean or what's a yeet so basically it's it's nonsense humor right it's 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 a rant it's me expressing myself with my own positive thought so to introduce yinko's yeet this week it's about being a fan of your team. Now, everyone has a passion for whatever reason of being a fan. In this case, for me, being a Las Vegas Raiders fan, I hear it from everyone living in the big D here in Dallas. Everyone from like people that I know, people that I hold dear to myself, even my barber. When I go to the barber, I mean, I walk in, they don't know me as Yanko. They don't know me as my government na issued name. No, they know me as Derek Carr. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see if anyone can empathize with me uh, for this Yanko Yeet segment. I walk in uh, to my barber and he's like, "Yo, Derek Carr, what's up? You're gonna get traded or what?" And this is when the the rumors started swirling about uh, teams getting calling in for for Derek Carr. Long story short, we got into a a little bit of a argument over who's better, and we started going back and forth. This guy is a season ticket holder. Jersey wearing, signed autograph helmet. His barbershop is basically blue and white. 
I overlook that discrepancy. I don't judge the man for being a Cowboys fan. So why should he judge me for being a Derek Carr fan? We get into the argument about who's better, Derek Carr or Dak. And this that's, that's isn't, maybe we can talk about that later. But what I'm trying to express is if you're going to come at me and judge me for Derek Carr, judge me for the team I am, you better be able to dish it, get dished back. So him and I start going at it. Long story short, he didn't mess up my haircut. He didn't mess, we didn't mess up our relationship. But that's the type of people that I like to talk to. That's the type of people that I like to go at. Because believe me, guys, I've been with others on the other side where I defend Derek Carr. I defend the Raiders. But then, oh, you're talking bad about my, my Cowboys? You're talking bad about my Dolphins? You're talking bad about the Browns? Yeah. Because if you're going to talk back about the Raiders, I want to talk back. I'm not just going to cower down. So, yes, these Yanko's yeet is if you're going to dish it, to someone who's passionate about football, I know every guy here is to a certain extent, be able to receive it. Come at me, bro, because I'm coming for you. I like it, man. I like it. I dig it. There's I can't wait for steam coming out of Yanko's head right now. I can guys. see if anything, uh, grab a beer, man. Cool down a little bit and we'll let's take five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's go on to another section. Uh, I, I think last week was really fun. I had a, I, th- I think it was pretty. It's pretty entertaining, even though it was just me and Josh. But let's go. Let's start a new segment again. Second week coming, would you rather? So I'm going to give you guys, for the ones who didn't listen last week, I'm going to give you two scenarios. You tell me what you would do if you are the GM right now. These are very make-believe. These are not going to happen. We know this wouldn't happen. But what would you do if you had the scenario? So I'm going to, I'm going to ask it. Whichever one wants to talk, I don't care. Let's go with it. Number one. Just a quick point, Charlie. Yeah. Just, just uh-huh. a heads up to give the people who listen. We don't know what you're going to ask. We yeah. have no idea. So we have, I mean, we reviewed material of what we're going to talk about, but this section, we're completely oblivious what you're going to ask. So, right. so, so <laughs> all right. First question. Would you rather get Tom Brady on your team for a guaranteed three years from right now or a guaranteed trade of Deshaun Watson? Go. Oh, trade for Deshaun. Brady. Tom Brady, too. I, I, I got to go with Tom Brady, too, man. And I know I've had a little bit more time to think about it. But, man, I want to I get to the Super Bowl, and I want to ring, man. I want to ring. Yep. Nothing, nothing guarantees if you get Watson, you're going you're gonna to get that chip. I didn't but even think about goals, like, how much I'm going to give up. I, I, don't, I didn't even think about, like, what team he's going for. I didn't, I didn't think about that. But did you, did you ask Charlie for the next three years, basically? Three, three years. years. Three years, man. Three years. Deshaun. The GOATs or Deshaun? Deshaun. I think you know what, uh, you know what, Yanko, I gotta give you something. If you would have asked me that question three years ago, I would have said Watson. <laughs> I would have said Watson, but but things have changed, man. Oh man, you I've, don't mess I, with the goat. You don't, man. You don't. It, it, I wasn't a believer. <laughs> you know what? Let, let, let me let me change my statement. If I would have been asked this question one year ago in the precise offseason of one year ago, I would have said to Sean Watson too. The goat's the goat, man. That's it. The goat's the goat. So that one was kind of easy. Let's go on to another one. All right. And this one's a little bit of a little bit longer of a question. So kind of stay with me. Would you rather be like Green Bay, you know, three Hall of Fame quarterbacks historically, constantly being relevant, but not winning the big game? And when I say that, I know they won earlier in the years of their of their franchise. Let's let's look back at the last 30 years. Or a Giants fan that has two more Super Bowls in the less time. Eli has two, Brett Favre's and Aaron Rodgers have two. Go. I'll go with Giants, man. And I'm going to tell you why. 
I know if, why. <laughs> if, if history, if if history kind of stays the same, right? The Giants can say that not, not only did they beat the perfect Patriots once, but they beat the Patriots twice. And no other team can say that. And then at the highest, at the highest level in the Super Bowl. So that's why I picked Giants. Hey man, nothing wrong with beating the GOAT. Hey, nobody's been able to beat them like that. They have- Nobody. You know, I laugh and I giggled because my first, I had, I have two responses, one on each side. One is completely, Let's hear both. Let's completely hear both. cowboy hater. And the other one is, uh, you know, Packers. Now I'll go on the Cowboys side, uh, giant side, not Cowboys, giant side. NFC East has never been really hard to win. The <laughs> NFC East is, I mean, look at this year. They went a seven and nine team made the playoffs. For like the second time in three years or something. Yes, like that. <laughs> yes. And even then, we talked earlier in the podcast in this show about the mediocrity of the eight and eights. Uh, Philly won a Super Bowl recently. Before that, nothing. Washington, eh. the Cowboys. Eh. Now, I don't want to get into start relishing about the NFC East, but if I had to pick a division based on, on that, I would rather be a Giants team and the, the easier NFC East and the division that the Packers have with the Bears that they've been signed relevant with the Lions where they had Megatron and Matt Stafford and obviously not living in the now or moving forward. However, that's me with my sort of non-biased wannabe GM hat. As a fan, as a fan, the Packers. Yeah, they, they won a, a Super Bowl against the Steelers here in, in Arlington. That was a couple of years ago. They're always relevant, but believe me, guys, as a fan coming from being a Raiders fan that hasn't been anywhere really playoff-wise or Super Bowl-wise much at all since 2002, one playoff appearance in between, give it or take, there's nothing like going into a season and everyone's hyped up. Everyone is like, I've seen the training cap videos. I saw the trades and I saw the cap and I saw the, if, you're, if your team was on HBO Hard Knocks, you, you get all the hype, right? <laughs> but they suck <laughs> but then they suck or the, the problems or or you know just the crazy antonio brown wide receiver or he, he burned his foot with his uh what is the massage machine or whatever yes or like with like <laughs> cryogenics or i have no idea yeah but living ear to ear you gave us a powerpoint presentation and i still do not understand what your answer is bro i un- yeah well giants or packers now packers all right. I like it. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm a little worried. I, didn't, no, I, didn't, I wasn't no. able to express myself last week. No, no, it's, it's, I, I no, didn't I like mean it. that as a disrespect. You guys. I was just like, okay, so. We want the listeners to know what is Yanko actually. What is Yanko's point of view? I'm going to go with Packers, and I, I completely agree with Yanko. Well, the second Yanko. I completely agree with Yanko. <laughs> I completely agree with him. I think as a Niner fan too, that went through the roughest years for so long, man, w- when you look into that season, you're like, man, we have, because in my eyes, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback going into the every NFL season. You know, whether he is or not, I guess that's debatable. He's, he's, he's awesome. They've had good defenses multiple years. They have a pretty good offense. They've been quite Mike McCarthy. You know, he could argue that or whatever. He was pretty good with them for a while. And as an organization of the Packers, they got a pretty good organization. So that's pretty good. And I think as a fan, we all want one thing. We want to win the Super Bowl, right? We all agree. That's what we want the Vince Lombardi trophy. 
But let's put the Lombardi trophy to the side for two seconds. And, and I know it's hard to do. But at the end of the day, isn't what we like to do, sit down and enjoy football on Sundays? You know, we, we love to watch football on Sundays. And as a Niner, and as you guys know, Raider fans, how many Sundays do we really enjoy many times with our teams? Muchas veces. But don't you, but don't you think that the disappointment, the hype, it's for nothing. You have yeah. A-Rod. Yes, yes, you yes. Have, I, you have No, no, I, I get it, Josh. I, A-Rod. I, I get it, Josh. I get it. Put that aside. Put the end result aside for a moment. You know, my brother-in-law, shout out to Juanito, by the way. Shout out. He's a, he's a new-time football watcher for the last couple of years, and he, he started liking the Packers. Apparently, you know, whatever. We'll get into whether he, he jumped on the bandwagon or not. But he's, he's a pretty loyal fan nowadays. But let's put it this way. He has hope. He, he Potosito, man, he had all this hope in the NFC Championship this year. And granted, it was it was it was crushed at the end. But throughout the entire season, he enjoyed the year. He enjoyed every week of it. It was awesome football. Yes, the end results stunk. But man, bro, my 2000 to 2011 stunk. And I got nothing out of it as an oh, 2002 to 2011 stunk as a Niner fan. So I, I can I can see how the, being a Packer fan would probably be better. But that's just me. I think, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, I think if the odds are I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to have a chance, I'll take it. Because the ball didn't bounce my way, but it might just bounce one of these years. I think <laughs> but it hasn't bounced since 2011, bro. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And that's what I'm saying. I get it. But – that's why the question's controversial. That's why you're right. Giants, and I'm going to go uh, Green Bay. But before we go on to the next question, what were you going to say, Ankle? Oh, guys, uh, please excuse Josh. As a fellow uh, Raider fan, it's hard to come out of the woodworks and say, winning? Is that you winning? Yeah. It's, you you kind of grow a callus to losing. You kind of grow it. And every Maybe year. that's what it is. Josh I think is that's the what most, it is, Josh. Yeah, Josh is the most realistic non-optimistic more pessimistic greater friend you'll ever find but he's true and loyal believe me there's plenty of conversations that i've had with josh of like trying to like trying to see the half empty not half empty but more half full type of guy but no yeah and and i'm not trying to dig into anything but actually uh josh here is in a fantasy league of ours where you're not in it yanko it's it's basically a niner club it's a niner club right so it's 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 all niners And, and josh you know it better than i do I'm the most pessimistic Niner also. And I'm, it's, I don't think the word is pessimistic. It's realist. Realistic. I hate, I, I hate to be coming off as the homer, the guy that, oh, he, he, he thinks the Niners are going to go to the Super Bowl every year and we don't do anything wrong. No, 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 no. So I totally understand where, Adrian, where, where Josh is coming from. I totally understand it. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, Josh, you're totally wrong. Green Bay, so much better. Come on now. All right, let's go on to the next question. I like it. I like it, man. We found a little bit of controversy. That's good. That's good. One final question here. Would you rather? And I think this one, this one's good. Would you rather draft Trevor Lawrence or keep Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert. I agree. Yanko. I'll explain why as soon as Yanko answers. Yeah, me too. I just want to hear Yankel yes or no before he goes on and rant. We're all staring at Yankel. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to pick because Justin Herbert's had one year. 
Oh, what, since is, Trevor Lawrence is a veteran in the NFL? <laughs> no, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who didn't even start a full season, and Trevor Lawrence has done way more in, in Division One football w- against Alabama teams and, and great teams. I'm going to go Trevor. I'm going to go Trevor. Wow, uh, look at that. I, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go uh, Justin Herbert. What Justin Herbert did this year. Ooh. I mean, redraft. Let's do a redraft. Justin Herbert goes number one. Oh, no wow. questions oh, asked. Sure. Or, sure, right? Okay. So, so he's the same size as Trevor Lawrence. He has a high. He he, he did what he did even when Kenyon uh, when Kenyon Allen was out. You know, he he still fig- he made some receivers that I had no idea existed. Pretty relevant this year in fantasy, dude. That guy has an arm. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Justin Herbert every day of the week. And and guys, I'm gonna go as far to say that right now there's only two or three quarterbacks I put above Justin Herbert if I'm starting a franchise today. Wow. That, and that doesn't include Trevor. That does not include Trevor. Wow. I, 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 I'm going to say Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. That's it. Nothing else. Nobody else. Oh, yeah. And Tom Brady. That's our franchise with Tom Brady. I was about yeah, like to we say. Just, we just said. <laughs> we just talked about. We just oh, 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 I'm, thinking, the <laughs> I'm just thinking because Tom Brady's on his way out. Well, we think he's on his way out. But, you know, putting Tom Brady to the side. But Look, man, anyway. the, the Chargers were relevant this year and um, because of Justin Herbert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. The, they lost games not because of Justin Herbert, but because of their defense. They had the Saints pinned time and time again, but those Chargers. The, yeah, their, their record shows otherwise. And they were very dysfunctional. And they had Anthony Lynn as their head coach. And they Justin Herbert put insane like insane well, numbers as a rookie. Would, would you guys change your mind if Urban Meyer with Trevor Lawrence, assuming that he goes to the Jags, has the same year or a little bit better of a year with a full season, not just a – I firmly believe that you guys are going on uh, – he was in the AFC West where obviously the Chiefs exist, but he trampled the Broncos. Hey, he, tr- he trampled the Bucks also. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. This is how I'm going to answer your question. Deshaun Watson, exclude Deshaun Watson out of this. College play, even at the highest level, means nothing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. No, nothing. I, I, I totally agree with you, but we're, we're talking about the a script. Justin Herbert was with the Ducks. Who, or Oregon has been irrelevant since Chip Kelly left. Uh, yeah. And, and, he, and he wasn't laying the world on fire. Yet, he goes to the NFL, everybody... Every nobody expected what he what he did in At LA all. this year. No, and AKA, now everybody's hey, like, uh, uh, I'm gonna make a clarification and say that those Chicharitos, you know, that team that pick up Justin Herbert in every single one of his leagues. I, I had belief in Justin Herbert, by the way. Uh huh. What was that? You totally. That was Charlie. That was Charlie is Los Chicharitos. FYI. Oh, yeah. By the way, I was trying to keep that low profile, but anyway. All right. But yeah, I, I just think Justin Herbert, man. Okay. Let, let, let's switch it up. If, if Urban Buyer, you know, he could look into the future, you know, and, and decide. If they told him he was going to get 75% of Justin Herbert's production from Trevor Lawrence year one, would he sign off on that? I think he absolutely would. I, if, I don't if know. He would get 75% of what wow. Justin Herbert. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The numbers that Justin Herbert, guys, the numbers that Justin Herbert did as a rookie, Peyton Manning couldn't do. No. Andrew Luck couldn't do. 
Baker Mayfield, who had a terrific rookie season, couldn't do either. This is this is unheard of. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. This okay, is okay. So, so put it to put it in perspective, 2020, LA Chargers. He had a 66.6 completion percentage, 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and a passer rating of 98.3. He's 6'6, 236 pounds, 22 years old, and cheap. Now I just completely destroyed my point. I understand that. I, I completely. I was waiting. I was wait. I was waiting for the for the. So you see, guys, you guys are morons. No, I I, I, I completely understand that. But there's just, that's just it's not enough. It's not enough for me. No, no, and I get it. But but let, let's okay. So you're saying you're so you're and, and I, this is where I'm gonna. Sell us your okay. point, Yanko. Yeah, but, but, sell us but, your point on Trevor. But before you sell me your point, Yanko. How can you tell me Herbert doesn't have enough when Lawrence hasn't even played a snap? Like, yet, yet, yet Herbert has already done so much. Look, you know, to me, there's, there's a ton of examples that were first-year quarterbacks. Not a ton. Let me take that back. There's examples of first-year quarterbacks that came out of college, tore it up, and did a, a great first year, right? And to allude to uh, what I was saying earlier, I think just knee-jerk reaction. Not being prepared for this, Robert Griffin. He had a great first year. Great first year with Washington. Took him to the playoffs. Running the ball. Yes, but I'm talking about first-year quarterback. Okay, I'm not, I'm, okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. We're not sure, two, two completely different. But what happened the second year? Aside from his body kind of injury-prone or whatever, NFL defenses adjusted. NFL defenses saw and were able to, to move things around. Justin Herbert, yes, he's got a cannon. Yes, he put up amazing numbers and, and whatnot. But to me, to me, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, bro. Absolutely. Has, so has so Josh, a ton more, has a ton more, not a ton. Yanko. He has stuff to offer. We're not Yanko. The reason Yanko. you asked us, Charlie, was exactly because you would think <laughs> that Trevor Lawrence is at least in no. the conversation. You know what? I, I did this because I knew I had a feeling Yanko has a weird obsession with trevor lawrence you know he's he's been he's been asking us a few times should we talk about trevor lawrence should we go about trevor lawrence so i had a feeling mentioned his golden lock i think that's what it is yanko yanko all your points are valid i get it Mm -hmm. but look justin herbert didn't do that running the ball he didn't do that doing the rpo he did that with his arm with his arm it's ball, ball, it's ball, insane, don't lie, ball, ball don't lie, man. And and Justin Herbert, he did what is expected from a quarterback. He didn't do anything, you know. What, okay, you're gonna figure it out. You're gonna figure out a 60 yard bomb. Exactly. I, I don't think a you can it. Now, you, grant you, he has great receiving core. No, 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 no. Come no, on, Raiders. Right you know what? You, you know, you know what, Yanko? You just got the mute. I'm just kidding. You 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 gotta unmute yourself, bro. <laughs> But uh, no, no. But I mean, but, I get it, guys. I get it, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. A little bit is for podcast showmanship. However, it doesn't waver me from taking Trevor Lawrence number one with a good coach, with a good staff, a good career in college, and yes, it's oh, you're translate. you're taking him number one no matter what. We're not uh, disputing that. No, absolutely. What we're saying is, who would you rather get, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert? And you seem to be Gaga over Mr. Goldilocks, Trevor Lawrence, which is fine. Which is totally fine. Yeah, fine. absolutely. I, I just and look, and here's here's my take, my final take, so we can wrap this puppy up and just move on to the next section. 
at the end of the day, Justin Herbert, you know, he, he already lit the world on fire. Is he going to have as good of a season next year? I don't think so. I think if anything, he either replicates it or has it a little bit under. A little bit under. But his season was so great that even if he's a little bit under, that's still what I want as a quarterback. He had an amazing season. He's a heck of a quarterback. And only time will tell. But in a year from now, Yankel, when we remember Justin Herbert's going to be the MVP of the 2021 NFL season, just remember, Josh and Charlie told you first. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Yeah, it could very well be. <laughs> All right, guys. So that was very cool. That was fun. Let's, uh, let's go ahead into our final part because we're definitely going way over on time today. Uh, let's go into our mailbag. We actually had quite a bit of questions come in today. And uh, I'm going to skip the first question completely off the, off the bat. Uh, we talked about Dak's situation a little bit earlier. So no need to, to go real, into too much. Of, real quick. Real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Charlie, do they, do they franchise and tag them or not? I'm going to say yes. Or give them a contract. They, I say they franchise tag him and they figure out a contract situation before. I don't think they make the same mistake again. I think they have to do it. I think I don't think they should do it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the Cowboys should do it. I think they they should invest in a young quarterback, but I think they do do it. I do think they franchise tag him and then they extend him. Josh. Josh. Quick point. And this is all I'm going to say about this. If you're in love with him, you should have paid him two years ago. If you're not, trade him. And, and, and you're right, Josh, because Jerry Jones does tend to pay his players, but the cap situation that the Cowboys are, I think they figure nah, out. Nah, man. It, 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 this is opening a can of worms, man. You're, it's, you it's have paid just, everybody. You have paid everybody other than the guy that matters most in your team, which is Dak. And you have failed. You played Cooper. You played Jalen. You, you played D-Law. You played everybody and their mom got paid in Dallas except Dak, the one who mattered most. But whatever. But we'll what see. would you do, Josh? Franchise them or give them a contract? At this point, you, you got to trade them. You got to trade them. No, but who's going to – how are you going to trade them? You got to franchise tag them and someone's going to trade them. Okay, you got to franchise tag them. It, it's, yeah, but, it's like when a plug-and-play deal. Right. You but franchise gonna, tag, and we're going to trade – oh, bro, there will be suitors for Dak Prescott. You know that. At, at that money with this year's cap I think situation. It's like 33 or $34 million. All right, all right. So let's pause. Let's pause before we jump into that. Let's pause for two seconds. And let me ask the next question, and we'll continue this discussion because it relates to it. With the cap being so low this year, how is this going to affect the top teams this year? Now, I'm not saying the Cowboys are a top team, but, you know, let's, let's get into it. Because $33 million, the cap is only going to go. They said best case scenario. I mean, worst case scenario, it's going to be 180. Last year, it was 195, I believe, something like that. It's going to go down $15 million. I was reading an article this week that best case scenario goes up to 185. Best case scenario now. And you're telling me a team's going to trade assets. For a $33 million quarterback? Yes. Let me, let me give you a scenario, Charlie. Let me give you a scenario. The top team right now that has the most cap space, Jacksonville Jaguars, with 83.83 million, close to 84. The second one, New York Jets at 75 million. The third one, New England Patriots at 68. The mm -hmm. Colts at 54. I don't, I, I got to check the stats on that one because of the Carson Wentz deal. Fifth, Cincinnati Battles, Bengals, they don't need a quarterback. Sixth, Carolina Panthers. Seventh, Denver Broncos. Los Angeles Chargers at eight. Washington football team at nine. Tampa Bay at 10. They don't need a quarterback. So, so oh, all of what? these have room. Well, the top nine do. Tampa Bay is at 28. Everyone else has room. Okay, but but out of those, okay, other than, you know, you know, Jacksonville's not going to do it unless Dax, no. I mean, they're not, they're not trading for Jack. 
you second one you said uh, the new england i mean <laughs> here's a scenario you trade the first round pick and you pick Dak and you get like six first rounders you know maybe something like that but you know the, the second one you new england patriots they're not going to do it the, the patriots don't overpay for a quarterback yeah who are the other teams that you mentioned well, out jets. of that list the jets are not going to do it they're not going to do it the i'm only going to mention the ones that need a quarterback right yeah, yeah. I've, well, I've mentioned it okay panthers Maybe, maybe we'll put that little asterisk there. Broncos. I don't think so. I don't think John Elway trades for that contract. And that's it. Everyone else after that's out of the top ten has a quarterback that they're staying with, other than Houston. But their cap space can't afford it. I don't want to stick too long on Dak because I know we have to talk about a lot mm-hmm. more salary cap and TV deals and whatnot. Personally, me franchise them. I think they do a Kirk Cousins in Washington type. They franchise them one year. Talk, try to extend it to the next year, maybe franchise them again, and then bye-bye. So basically three years, three years, just keep raising the cap until it's so much. franchise last year? Yes. Oh, so the, Every think... year, the franchise tag goes up. 15% yeah, every year. Never so my fails. Bad. My bad. I, I forgot that they franchise tagged them last year. This is second year franchise, and then bye-bye. And I'd love to say, uh, Josh, I'm not saying that I don't see value in deck. I like deck. I just don't like him at 33 million. And, and I look at the market and I'm like, I can get a Jimmy G for 24. I can get uh, Marcus Mariota for 10. I'd like my options out there. And then there's four rookie quarterbacks, 33 million. Unless, unless the asking price from the Cowboys isn't a lot. I don't see how I can give up a lot for deck. Okay. Points. So we can wrap up because we're going to go crazy here. Number one. That's why you said it yourself. John Lynch surrounded himself with smart people that do cap wizardry, right? Okay. If I would have told you earlier in the season, the Colts are going to trade for Carson Wentz or the Eagles are going to let go of Carson Wentz, what you what would you have told me? I would have told you you're crazy because of the cap. Exactly. So as I'm telling you, that's why you pay these people great chunks of money. You know what? I have the salary. You got to make it fit. If you have to restructure elsewhere, figure it out because I need to address the most important position in football. And this is what it's trending right now. That's not and what I, Dak wants. That's no, how much he's going to get. Cause that's what the market has. And I get it, Josh, but at the end of the day too, you, I mean, that was a, that's, that's a rare circumstance. The teams do not trade away their 33 million dead money quarterback. Unless he's absolutely atrocious, which Jared once Goff, I don't think Matthew Stafford. Yeah. No, 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 that's completely. You are not comparing what? Jared Goff. You're no, no, not. No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm not no, saying no. Jared Goff he's because I'm saying the contract. No, the contract. No, 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 no. no. But they, those weren't necessarily dead money because they switched to. It was basically it was a wash. It's still the same thing. You're gonna inherit the salary sooner or later of the player of the con. Whatever the contract says, I, I'm not I know. talking dead money. But if you're paying a player 25 million and you trade him to the other team and you're not going to inherit any debt money, but guess what? The other team's going to have to pay him 25 million, right? Because that's what's on his contract. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. That's why you have these people that you pay them a lot of money. And I get that. I get that, Josh. But when it comes to the Rams and it comes to the Lions, it was a wash because they're both paying a very high end quarterback for each one. They're both playing a lot of money. So it didn't feel like a hard situation with Wentz. I get it. $33 million, that, that is a once in a that's a once in a lifetime situation. I don't think that happens again. Not like that. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And might as well, I probably will be wrong. We'll see. I, I think franchise tag, <laughs> I think franchise tag happens and the Cowboys figure it out. I really do. I don't think America's team can afford to lose a quarterback. The Cowboys without a starting quarterback, that doesn't happen. Come on, let's be real. That doesn't happen. Whether he's good or uh, not, 
Quincy Carter happened. Yeah, but I'm how long? Benito Stavardi. Yeah, uh, but for, for for even then, you still yeah. I, I understand that it's it. You can get little swings here and there. I don't think it's going to happen. Not at the final years of Jerry Jerry Rice's uh, Jerry Rice Jerry Jones's final days in this earth. So exactly. anyway, all right, guys. So let's talk a little bit more about the cap. I know uh, this this week has been discussed a lot about the the TV deals. I know uh, this is huge. This is huge for 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 a lot of situations. If these TV negotiations were to be finalized before the new NFL season were to begin, a lot of stuff can happen. And even then, maybe the cap really does drastically go up. A lot of a lot of things go into these TV deals. What have you heard, Yanko? I know you looked a little bit into those numbers. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about the part that maybe the casual fan doesn't know? So just to give you guys an idea, and Charlie hit on it, the, the new NFL season officially starts March 17th this year. So that's less than a month away from all these contracts trying to be – you know, mitigated and discussed and deliberated to nail it down. TV contracts usually and probably will go for a full 10 years. Now, I know Charlie and Josh did their uh, research on this too, but I'm going to try to hit this from an angle that is more uh, techy, a little bit more uh, from the perspective as a consumer and what that means for what kind of infrastructure I need to have in my house, what I'm going to have to uh, prepare for and what, we, some of us don't consider, but tend to forget in certain situations. Now, let me explain. First and foremost, we, this year, we got Thursday Night Football that was being streamed simulcasted with Fox, either on Amazon Prime or through the Fox app, if you would sign up through your television provider. What does that mean? I'm using the internet now to stream video. And when you stream video, it's a lot more consistent when you get high quality or high definition uh, viewing. Fox this year introduced to the consumer 4K high resolution games, if you win, you streamed it. You weren't going to get it over the air. Now, sometimes, for example, towards the end of the year, that's when I started kind of noticing it, although I wasn't really looking for it because some of the games I watched weren't on Fox. The side cameras, you could see that higher resolution. For example, the Washington Redskins Seahawks game. That, that high resolution, it stood out. It almost looked Madden-esque, and it, it was kind of trippy, to be honest with you, but that's that type of 4K resolution. How do you take advantage of 4k resolution, high throttle internet, you have to have a 4k TV and you need to be able to uh, really have the technology, both your monitor or display and the infrastructure at your house to be able to stream that. Now, Monday night football, you could stream ESPN, you could stream and simulcast because they did a couple of them with ABC. And this year was a little different because COVID impacted that, right? COVID uh, presented a couple of obstacles and I'm sure uh, some of the other guys will get into it, how it affected the money and how it affected each team, salary cap, especially attendance. But NFL Network was streaming as well. So now you've now we've talked about ESPN with the possible subscription to ESPN Plus. You've got NFL Network that you need to have a television provider that you're paying money to have NFL Network. And you have Amazon, which either you go you do it for the product that Amazon sells, or as a football fan, you want to get Amazon and pay their subscription to be able to stream it. However, a little bit of a wrinkle in internet. If I had to ask you guys, how many people do you guys think in the continental American United States, North America, use satellite for internet? Satellite for internet? Satellite for internet. This means that people live so far out. The rural country, areas, urban areas. areas. That their only connection to the 
the world or to stream that what I just gave as an example is through satellite internet. Is this shout in the out, US? Shout out to Freddie. Freddie is in under those circumstances. And he was one of the ones I thought about. So, so uh, this is just in the US? Just in the US. Man, I don't know. That's a good... I, I know there's a lot of rural areas in the US. So actually, I think I, I'm going to be surprised with this number. Go ahead. So yeah. it's 6% of Americans use satellite internet TV, which wow. boils down to about 8.4 million households rely on satellite internet. When you satellite internet, not only is it slow, but it's expensive. So mm -hmm. now, if I'm like, if I'm a Raiders fan in the middle of Wyoming or something, or out in the middle of nowhere in some mountainous parts of Idaho, the only way I'm going to be able to watch my home team or my football team is by streaming it. Now, the to talk about contract talks, you've you've gotten play Directv. And what they're doing for Sunday Ticket, you got to play ESPN. Are they going to absorb that and make it ESPN Plus? Are Thursday Night Football going to go away? Do they stay relevant? How do they stay relevant? The times that I'm streaming the games now, it's beneficial for me to have Directv with satellite and NFL Sunday Ticket because that connection is always going to be more stable and it's always going to be more consistent than my internet connection. If everything starts streaming. From that, from that part, 8.7 or 8.4 million households. How many of those are NFL? How many of those will actually watch football? I'd say, I would venture to say at I least 40%. I would think higher, but that's, or even higher. Yeah, that's that's over four million people. Now, if you get four million people to how much Sunday tickets cost? Four million times about if you're a student, a hundred dollars, or four million times three hundred if you're just a regular person. That's a ton of money. Hey, FYI, shout out to who told you how to get that uh, Sunday ticket Early. for 100 bucks. <laughs> oh, so guys, if you guys, this is a hack for the NFL real quick. If you guys have uh, want to get Sunday ticket and you got a friend who's going to college, get his address, get his name, go to NFL Sunday ticket discount student, and you will get Sunday ticket for $100 streamed. Uh, that's a little hack that we do every year. So, all right. Anyway. And, and just, to, just to kind of conclude this, to give you guys the, the helm with – with contract talks and TV and whatnot. Towards the end of this year, the Peacock Network, NBC, started streaming football games too. So you're starting to see the three-letter networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, transitioning to streaming. Why are they streaming? Because that's the world we live in. COVID presented a world of being at home and streamability. When you stream, it's easier to stream high-resolution games or 4K. Now, I think 4K resolution games still were still kind of far away. Even Fox, they would get 1080 games and upscale it to 4K games. You're talking about cameras. You're talking about people. You're talking about investing in an infrastructure that isn't present yet. However, what it seems to look like with everyone starting to stream, that's where everything's going. Having the internet connectivity at your house is going to become imperative because what this... TV deal will do for the next 10 years. It's going to dictate, do I need an antenna? Can I watch this on the road, streaming it on my cell phone? Does my data plan support it? Can I have internet? Am I will going I have to have 5G? Will I have 5G? Will I have to invest in satellite internet and maybe pay an absurd amount? Something like $80 a month for 12 megabytes a second, which is really slow. Your cell phone, is, that's what a satellite provider will give you when, for example, here in where I live, I have AT&T internet and I get a thousand megabits a second for $60. Yeah. 
So it's, it's monumental, at least from that part and the consumer, as to what this contract's going to do, not to mention how it's going to affect the, the everyday interaction, that viewability that a consumer is going to have, but the salary cap, because all of that money that's in this contract and all that money that these three-letter networks are going to give that have these games is going to have a direct impact on the teams, the GMs, and who gets signed. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing that this is big. You might be wondering, why the heck are you guys talking about all this technical stuff? No, it's actually very important. Uh, not only is this going to concern you if you're a legitimate football fan, but it's going to concern your favorite football team. So at the end of the day, they, that is a question to ask. Do you want the NFL to just get the best dollar value deal out there? Or do you want to get one where it's actually going to benefit you as a consumer? My guess is the NFL is going to go for the thing that's going to give them the most money because that's what the NFL does. At the end of the day, they could care less about the consumer as much as they say they do. That's the reality we live in. The NFL doesn't care that much about the fan. They care about the money. And, you know, we can, we can go off about that. And well, I think we'll get into this conversation a little bit more in, an, in the next couple of weeks when it dries off a little. But being that we're so close to these negotiations, I wanted to ask you guys. You know, I grew up in an era where everything was over the air. You know, we, you guys did too. It's Monday Night Football was on, uh, on ABC I know Sunday Night Football was on ESPN, but back then Sunday Night Football wasn't really like the premier game. It was kind of like, a, you know, it, it used to be what it is now. Even Al Davis was the, 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 the guy on ABC back then. So th things have changed a little. Al I Michaels, know, Al Davis is dead. Al Michaels, thank you very much for that clarification. Uh, in, the last couple, uh, in the last couple of negotiations, I'm even hearing that the NBC and the ABC packages are actually up in the air. You know, they could, it could very well be switched off. You might have Fox suddenly in the, it's on a, uh, the AFC. Suddenly you have NBC take over the, the, the NFC package. A lot of things could be shuffling around. So let's get creative, guys. How would you guys fix the current situation? Because DirecTV is a mess. We, we've all had part of the DirecTV Sunday ticket. So how would you guys offer a solution? I got a, I got a few tweaks that I would think, but I'd like to hear what you guys, how would you guys fix it for the viewer? You guys don't have anything? I'll hold and go ahead and jump in, but I'd like to hear you guys. I think um, the first thing is I remember actually you, you hit it. You hit the nail on the head, Charlie. Uh, Monday night was more relevant back then. Mm -hmm. uh, these last four or five years, Monday night has been trash. Since Monday John night was West. a premiere. Monday yeah, night was a and 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 eliminate the the broadcast booth for for a minute. I'm saying the quality of the game. Monday night was a way to go. Sunday night was all oh, you know. You occasionally would tune in, not like how you do now. It seems more maybe because of the partnership or or whatever. But it seems that NBC gets the cream of the crop, right? Did you know that they pay the least amount of all? Yes. Four? And ESPN is the one that plays the most. Yes. And they get like crap. I mean, they get the, the playoff games, but even the what? playoff they, games well, are they, kind of like. They get one, and it's and, the and first one. By the time it rolls to Monday night, let's face it, either two things. Either one, your team is playing, you're going to tune in. Or two, if you're playing fantasy football, or hence, if you like to gamble, that's not my forte, but whatever. If you like to gamble, you're going to tune into Monday night's game, right? That, mm -hmm. Those are the only reasons why you tune into Monday night game. You, you don't tune in like Sunday night. When it's going to be a good game, you're going to watch it. And I think that's kind of sad, you know, because it, it, it used to be the other way. You went to school and you were excited because when you got home, you were going to watch right. Monday Night Football. Exactly. Right. Oh, that, that's how football used to be. So here, here's a tweet, guys. So I, I, I don't know if you guys remember about 10 or 15 years. No, about 10 years ago, the NFL implemented the flexing rule, right? So after week 10, 
you're able to flex Sunday night game. Well, back then it was after week 10, you could flex the Sunday night game between any of the morning or afternoon games into one of the after, or one of the Sunday night games. Fox and CBS are able to protect one game each of any of those games. And they, they get to protect them before the season starts. So no matter what, they can't touch those games except on week 17. Well, the NFL changed that rule so that as of week six now, that can actually happen. So here's my solution. Keep Sunday night as it is. Keep Sunday night football as it is. But Monday, let's bring a doubleheader in on Monday. Let's bring a doubleheader game on Monday. First one is streamed right on ESPN, ESPN Plus, if you want to go ahead and do that. And the second one is on ABC, you know, the prime game, whatever. But introduce a flex option. What did the NFL have there now? If the season looks like suddenly that morning game, or not morning, but that earlier game looks like a better game, Let's switch that, and we'll put that in the, in the, the, the late night, the primetime game, and we'll move the other one under. Because there's nothing worse. You guys agree with me. There's nothing worse than a game that is scheduled on a Monday night that is the Jets versus the Bills or the Jets versus the Dolphins. And you're like, Terrible. what? What? What is and you, and you saw the NFL trying to make these Monday night matchups or the Jaguars versus Titans on Thursday night, trying to capture more – uh, the audience by, for example, making the color rush thing, right? You guys remember that? Where oh, the, yeah. That night, that team wore a color rush jersey. And then they were bringing in multiple uh, – you could stream it on NFL Network and you would get uh, like the, the Danian Tomlinson and some of the second-tier announcers announcing the game. You could watch it with Fox and hear it through Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Or you could hear the sportscast through the Westwood uh, Network. The one. On Westwood One, thank you. So – you, you saw the NFL trying to appease the masses because usually when I think Thursday night football, unless it's, it's, it's your team, it's our team. It's kind of like to what Josh was saying, Monday night and Thursday night. Now here's a fun fact about Thursday night football. Apparently going into these contract negotiations and what's happening is that none of the three major three letter networks want to pick up Thursday night football. I read that. Mm -hmm. And that would kill Thursday night football. Why? Because now you're going completely subscription. The only winner there is Amazon or NFL right. network. That means you have to pay to watch the game that you were barely watching as it was. So now instead of having 15 to 20 million people tuning in to Thursday night football, because it's more available to watch now that drops significantly and you have other you, things. You got people on or you got people on the pirated websites trying to find how to exactly. watch it. And that's how to watch it. And, and that's going to be not only the detriment for the NFL when it comes to money, but it's going to be the detriment for the weekday games if and when that doesn't happen. Because now Monday Night Football, the only saving grace, and that you guys touched on it, would have to be a simulcast on both a subscription-based ESPN Plus or you watch it on ABC or TV or whatnot that you, you can access it via – antenna free public air on air tv mm -hmm. all right guys so so obviously there's a lot to talk about this and i think what we're going to do is let's go ahead and leave this discussion open if, if the nfl doesn't finalize anything i think there's a lot to talk about as to what should happen with thursday night football is it something that should continue is it something that we should continue enjoying does the casual fan even enjoy Thursday night football? I think I kind of do, but let's let's kind of brainstorm throughout the week and let's retouch this topic in a, in a couple of days just to kind of a little bit more because there's more to talk about in this and we'll get back to it because the time is definitely way over our shoulders today. Let's go into one final question that was asked to us by one of the mailbags. Remember, guys, you can actually go to our, our uh, email uh, at CYJ 
dot podcast at gmail.com and send us any questions you guys may have. Uh, the question I got, it says, yes, it's early to tell, but I miss fantasy. Who most likely will be the top three fantasy draft drafted in 2021? And this is our good friend Gilbert S from El Paso. So shout out to him for reaching out to us guys quickly. Uh, give me three names that you guys, if you're on the clock, one, two, three, who are you going? Number one, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, come on. And that's just personal because I regret trading him. I lost the championship because of Aaron hey, Rodgers. All right. Hey, co-commissioner, remind me to give Yanko the first round pick next year. Anyway, <laughs> Josh. Oh, man. Camaro. C-Mac. So, Yanko. Oh, for reals? For reals. Yeah, I would have gone C-Mac. I drafted him this year's first round, too. Yeah. So, second round pick? I mean, second. Yeah, second pick. Not second round pick. Second pick? C-Mac. Ooh, uh, George Kittle. Whoa. Uh, Saquon. And number three? I'm going to go Kamara. Man. <laughs> this, is, this is a good one, man. So number three? D-Hop. Wow. Okay. All right. Kelsey. Kelsey. All right, guys. I wish we could go a little bit more into depth into this. I think we deserve to start putting a little more fantasy into these topics. And we'll, and we'll definitely do that. But I think this is good. So as you can see, we're three guys that don't know much more than you guys do many times. But hey, we do our best. Guys, this has been fun. This was actually a very, very interactive uh, episode. I've, I've had a blast. We've argued a lot. We disagreed, I think, 90% of the time. And that's what we want. This is great. Josh, any final thoughts on anything? No, man. Uh, looking forward to the offseason, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Yanko. I'm glad to be back. Uh, something I want to give out to the listeners is keep giving us the input. Keep uh, asking questions. The mailbag was there. Our social media is about to go up soon. Uh, once we get some fine details sorted out in regards to uh, a couple, just to promote uh, the podcast in itself. And we're starting to get creative. Uh, there's a bit of a lull of uh, new NFL news uh, during the offseason. So if you have any ideas, guys, shoot them our way. We're starting to get creative. We're going to start bringing up more things. But definitely tune in next week as we uh, start bringing up some of those ideas. Hey, guys, there's, there's a saying, tell two friends to tell two friends. If you guys can just do that, tell your friends. Anybody knows that likes football? Hey, you know, we got these three morons that love to talk about football. They're pretty cool guys. But, hey, they're, 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 they're pretty. They got some good ideas here and there. Let them know. And if they like it, great. And if they don't like it, great. No big deal. Just have them listen to us one time and see what happens from there. Guys, it's been awesome. We'll see you guys in eight days. This has been one more edition of the CYJ podcast. We'll see you next time. Yanko Geek.